Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm anxious, Kara. Why? You're wearing a t- coat and tie That's right now. Right. You're wearing That's a tie, right. actually. I don't know if you're wearing a coat. I don't see a coat. What, why are you so dressed up today? It's really odd. I was odd. on with my other sister from another mother, Stephanie Rule, this morning oh, on MSNBC. You dress up for her, but you show up. What does your wife call you? And uh, uh, Someone who dresses like an aging skateboarder. So yeah. I'm trying. I brought out my one tie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, it's a skinny tie for those who not cannot see it. It's it a skinny is a skinny tie. tie, and I have this yeah. cool. I have this cool tie clip that makes me feel fifty five again. Anyway, how do you uh, feel in a tie? Do do you, do you like ties or what? Uh, you know what? Actually, I like dressing up. Um, do you? Yeah, you look I do. nice. Thank you. you. Look, Thank you, you for saying that. You look very nice. You look I like a possibly that. professor at NYU or something like that. Uh, anyway, uh, an aging professor at NYU, not an aging <laughs> skateboarder. That's nice. I was on with no. fucking Richard Quest from CNN. He's like, you oh, seem Richard. like a, he's like, you seem like a middle aged, uh, uh, an angry middle aged man. And I'm like, dude, you're older than I am. Yeah, he's he like he should know about angry middle aged men. Um, um, or, well, but okay, anyways, anxious, anxious, anxious. Back to my anxiety. Oh, anxious. Oh, sorry, we're back did, to you again. <laughs> I did a podcast with Aswat the Motor, and he's kind of my role model or one of my role models. Right, yes. And he, I said, I'm anxious. And he said, well, Scott, he's, he's like, can I play therapist? I'm like, please, anyone can play therapist for me. Mm-hmm. And it's easy. It's yeah. easy. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. And he, go, he said, look, you've been in the markets long enough to recognize that the markets are over the long term efficient, mm-hmm. meaning they return or they attach to some sort of valuation Value. range. Right. And distinct of the GameStop drama I, I do think that the markets, it does feel really strange right now. And that at some oh. point we are going to have, you know, the arc of the markets is cur- curved, jagged and unpredictable, but it does bend towards an attachment towards back to fundamentals. And One I just, would I'm hope. very anxious about the markets. Well, but it's I like don't politics. Know. One would hope. We're going to get to that in a minute. Yeah. Maybe but it's first, chemistry. speaking yeah. of things that never change, Apple and yeah. Facebook's feud over data privacy is escalating even oh, more. I lo- do you love I that? Know, I do. I love, do I love, love the that? whole thing, the whole dang thing. Last week, Mark Zuckerberg uh, said we are, quote, we are increasingly see Apple as one of our biggest competitors, accusing Apple of using its, quote, dominant platform position, really, to push its own apps while interfering with Facebook. So they're talking about ins- uh, uh, Messenger, their their instant messenger and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Anyway, the next day, Tim Cook shot back without actually naming Facebook, which is even better. He said, quote, in a speech in front of a privacy group, quote, technology does not need vast troves of personal data stitched together across dozens of websites and apps in order to succeed. Advertising existed and thrived for decades without it. If a business is built on misleading users, on data exploitation, on choices that are no choices at all, then it does not deserve our praise it deserves reform. That was a nice. That was, an, that was a nice paragraph. There was another one later that was even worse. What, what do you think? What do you think? Tim versus Mark. I'm gonna, well, you're you're good. probably going to forget more than this, and I'm going to know. Yes. But let's be honest. So so. Okay. I do know first a lot. Off, Since I got Tim to throw the first shot many that's years right. ago. You, that, you're, you're the one that like pushed him in and started screaming, "Fight! Fight! Fight!" Uh, <laughs> the like is. It, I shouldn't laugh. Is the the app economy or the menace economy, whether it's Robinhood or Facebook, mm-hmm. where basically you're, you monetize people's data such that it leads to algorithms of amplification or yeah. attention economy. And a great way to get attention is through either addiction or division. Is that a, a problem in our economy and our society? Yes. Does Apple or is it Apple 
Is it Apple saying, you know what? I don't like the ad subscription. I don't like the ad model. I like the subscription model where people have to pay for their apps because I get a 30% toll on all of that. So Mm -hmm. is, is Tim Cook... Is Tim Cook talking his own book or is Facebook a real menace? The answer is yes. Yeah. Uh, there's, he's definitely kind of buttering his own bread here. Yeah, But sure. there's real Why not? Your Someone thoughts. said that. Your bu- I was like, so what? It's good bread. What yeah, are you fine. talking about? There's nothing fine. wrong with it. It's, here's the thing. It's been a long time stricture of Apple in this. It's part of their brand. And it's actually in their heart too. They actually do believe this, like this issue around data. Not to say they don't have all kinds of problems. And let, let me just put, clear that away. Mm-hmm. But he is a hundred, it doesn't mean that he's not a hundred percent right on this um, and, and calling it out. It's interesting that he's decided to escalate it. Now, you know, Mark is, feels like he's being petty and trying to do, you know, this, oh, we're going to get them for antitrust. I, really, he should not open that can of worms even slightly because uh, their social media issues and all kinds of data issues are really quite profound. And so they're going to try to push to be victim to Apple, which I think is good That's luck with that. That's a tough one. That's I, even, I was tough. talking to Jason Freed, who is fighting with Apple on Basecamp, and even mm-hmm. he was like, That's ridiculous, Kara. Like they mm-hmm. have issues around the App Store and they want reform of the App Store. But I think the idea, you know, he said on any, you know, any day of the week and twice on Sunday, I'd prefer Apple over Facebook, which is interesting. Um, but I think it's interesting that that Cook has decided to be very firm about this, and I hope to talk to him soon about it. And, I, you know, I've asked Mark for an interview. I doubt he'll do it. Um, but nonetheless, it's really going to be interesting, and we'll see where it comes down. And the, the, I think the issue, and I'm thinking about writing about this this week, is likability. I think Apple is liked in Washington better, and Tim Cook is liked. Facebook is disliked, and... Mark Zuckerberg is disliked. And so I think it'll make a difference that people sort of want to give Apple the benefit of the doubt. They like their products. They don't feel like they've been screwed every five minutes. And people have a sense that maybe Facebook has caused some problems. So I think that's really, you know, uh, you know, they're not likable enough is the problem. You're exactly right. We personify brands mm-hmm. and we feel as if we have a relationship with them. And I'm constantly we trying do. to remind people. No, a, a, a company is an abstract notion. It's a legal entity in Delaware. It's not concerned with the condition of your soul. It's not going to take care of you when you're older. And so, but we want to have relationships with them. And so we personify them. And the easiest way to personify them is to think you're in a relationship yep. with its leadership. And I just imagine literally Sheryl Sandberg this morning calling the 800 people who try and manicure her and Mark Zuckerberg's image into a room and saying, why can't you make us like Tim Cook? Right. He has managed his brand. And I realize it's more than just brand. Brands sure. are two parts. They're they're promise, but they're also performance. I genuinely yeah. think, and maybe I've drink, drank the Kool-Aid here, I think Tim Cook is a really good man who is mm-hmm. very concerned about the welfare of the Commonwealth. And I, I like his personal story. I, I just like, I like the fact he came out of supply you chain. You like him. You like He's him. Just a, you just get the sense like if, if Tim Cook called you and said, I want to be godfather to your son, you just, or your daughter, you just go, yeah, yeah, that'd be a good idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, he just seems like a very decent that. man. Whereas <laughs> yes, yes, Mark Zuckerberg okay. and Sheryl Sandberg, their brands, uh, I think harder. that's a tough one. So you do not want to get into a ring. If if I were Facebook right now, yeah, I would say this is you know this is a I, thought. I I would try and own it and say, Tim, we want to work with you to solve this. Yeah, problem. but I don't think there's working with them here. I think this is an existential threat to most many smart people at Facebook and other places. Think this is the existential threat to the, you know, they talk Apple. That they could really do damage Isn't that in this sad? area. That it has but, to be you know, Tim Cook that and Tim Cook, Senator. That's right. Isn't that's that what. I, that's the point I was going to make. Like <laughs> this is really interesting because one of the and they're going to do anything they can to. Though the issue is, again, Tim Cook was 
friendly enough with the Trump administration. He did not, like, remember he took Trump to the factory and put up with his ridiculous rants, just sat there or, quietly. Oh, he's also quite friendly with she. I mean, there's, with a, there's Ivanka and others. This is a and, hall but, of mirrors but, everywhere. <laughs> but Mark Zuckerberg did a full bear hug with the Trump administration, and that's different. Tim looked like he was like hostage crisis, and I'll deal with them. But he did not do this ridiculous bear hug that I think it is the perception that Facebook had, especially with Joel Kaplan sitting behind uh, Brent Ka- Brett Kaplan now and everything else. So I think that that every way they've played it, like if you looked at a lot of those hearings, nobody was asking Tim a question. They were all focused on Mark. And that's the that's the problem. So it's not Goliath. You know, uh, Goliath versus Goliath is not quite the same thing here. It's Goliath versus handsome Goliath. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, one is Simba, right? I mean, right. And uh, let me be clear. I believe well, that the app store shouldn't be broken up. It should be regulated, though. Yeah. It does command. It does have just too 100%. much power. 100%. They're just less exposed. They're just much less exposed. You do not want— It's Facebook. like it, it, getting into a any sort of public— uh, reputational feud with Tim Cook is like getting into a Twitter war with AOC. You just don't do it. It's a mistake. You're going to lose. Well, it's thinking like, of, of losing things, we're going to get into the yeah. big stories. I agree with you. We, I think Mark, Mark, back back away from Tim Cook, really, truly. Um, okay, Scott, uh, big stories. We're going to get into it. We're going to yeah. check back in on your favorite tale, which you just discussed, Robin Hood Saga. Yeah. Uh, since we left, Robinhood severely limited users' ability to buy more shares of GameStop after yeah. last week's frenzy. They're still sort of doing it. Yeah. Some users have joined a class action suit against the company. Elon Musk last night in a rather boring interview on Clubhouse uh, actually got into it in with uh, the CEO of Robinhood. Not in a not a really get into it way, but anyway, yeah. asking him if there was some secret group of people trying to make him do what he did. Um, this set of uh, uh, lots of backlash from lawmakers, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Elizabeth Warren, even Ted Cruz called on Congress to investigate the company. The SEC said it will, quote, quote, closely review actions taken by regulated entities that may disadvantage investors or otherwise unduly inhibit their ability to trade certain securities. There's there's an ex- there's a, a thing that stopped them, asked them to have more money available, essentially, that yeah. they, that, that these settling houses. Um, Robinhood explained that restricted stock buying, not because we wanted to stop people from buying these stocks, but due to the volatility of these stocks, the company was required to come up with 10 times the deposit requirements it had a week earlier in order to execute those trades. To do so, the company had to quickly draw on a number of credit lines. On Thursday, Robinhood said it was raising more than $1 billion from its existing uh, investors. Meanwhile, as of Monday, GameStop uh, stock is crashing. By the way, I signed up for public Last this weekend, you I did. Just, yes, I did. I want to try it out. I want to see. I'm going to try them all out. I actually have a Robinhood account somewhere in there. So um, I just I feel like I, I need to disclose. I'm an investor, but I invested after I went on a rant against Robinhood because public is forty yes, percent women, doesn't allow margin, doesn't allow options. And what did they just announce, Kara? What did they announce? I sent it to you. Tipping, tipping instead of selling their. They don't what is sell that their called? data. Flow they don't in. sell their data. Flow. What is it called? Something flow. Order data. flow. Right, you don't order sell flow. your order flow. Yeah, they have a bigger name for it. Be, but and anyway, the reason why that's good is explain because— Explain what that is for people who are well, not uh, smart about the internet. Uh, I'm not sure I mean, I'm smart about, me about it. investing. But order flow, basically, they sell the order flow because there are hedge funds and clearing groups that want to know what retail investors are doing. Now, whether they're not doing that to front run the trade, whether that they're doing that such that they can sell you stock at a slightly higher price than you might get otherwise if, if, if you were paying a commission and there was better yeah. execution— we're not entirely sure. But again, it goes back to this notion that when you are not charging people anything to mine their data as sort of a digital corpus of data, yeah. it usually ends up in bad places. And public has made the gangster move, in well, my bef- view. But before they, they did it. it, before they did it, 
they change their, their change their thing. Let me go with some more stuff. Uh, this is just like fascinating. Like uh, Elon was trying to put together this conspiracy. I don't think it's there, but these 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 yeah. things like Apex, they're they're clearinghouses. Um, just they they had, they had to have more money on hand essentially because of the volatility. So who's responsible here? I, the SEC wasn't part of this. What was who who was it? This is fascinating. So there's a lot okay. to unpack. And, and let me be clear. I think Robinhood is, is a menace that treats their their consumers as the product and ultimately I think leads to to dark mm-hmm. places. I've made dark that clear. Places. But but AOC and Senator Warren in this instance and the class actions who filed against uh, Robinhood really missed the okay, mark. Tell me and why. that is well, okay, so Robinhood is guilty of not of not envisioning a scenario where 50% of their account holders would own one stock that ran to volatility of 50% or 50% down. Because the people who clear your trades and the people who provide financing for your margin are constantly looking at the likelihood that the market could could have some sort of wild, wild ride mm-hmm. one day. And then the money that people borrowed on margin, the stock crashed more. Say, say you buy $100 with a mm-hmm. GameStop stock. And someone finances $100 in margin, so you buy $200 worth, and it crashes more than 50% in a given day. They, they, what they say is, okay, if GameStop is only 1% of the stock in, uh, that a brokerage is doing, then we're not that worried. But when all of a sudden half your account holders own GameStop stock, the clearance guys and the people financing your margin just basically call you and say, you can no longer trade in this stock. So the notion that that Citadel conspired uh, with with Robinhood to support another hedge fund just isn't true. This, was, this has happened before. They got caught in a capital squeeze. The more interesting thing here is who's bailing them out. And their existing investors, including Andreessen Horowitz, Sequoia, I think NEA, have all come in, not for one and a half billion. I heard about this piece of paper circulating Mm -hmm. Thursday night where Mm -hmm. they're raising another three and a half billion dollars. And it feeds to this bigger narrative around who is making money here. Right. Uh, So who who, who is going to make tens of billions of dollars here? We all think, oh, they stuck it to them. They stuck it to the man because this hedge fund lost $3 billion. The people who are going to make tens of billions of dollars are the people, quite frankly, the investors in Reddit. I'm sorry, the mm-hmm. investors in Robinhood. Robinhood signed up a million new accounts on Thursday. They did more than that, yeah. All of this all of this craziness that, oh, they did something wrong. No, they do something wrong every day, but them getting them having their clearance and their margin financiers pull stocks down for not letting them trade in certain stocks, that was poor scenario planning, but they didn't, I would argue they really didn't do anything wrong. Who else is making money here? Who else is making money? Okay, what about the Winklevoss twins, billionaires from Harvard who say, let's go into silver. All right, that's your movement. The wealthiest man in the world, uh, Elon Musk, that's, and, and a guy who made all his money at Facebook. Those are our William Wallaces around this, around yeah. this movement. You have hedge yeah, funds. It is interesting. Yeah, you have hedge funds making tens or big, big established players here, uh, venture capitalists making tens of billions yeah, of dollars. Yeah, they're thrilled to do it. Value. And they don't care how Reddit makes money. That's, you know what I mean? Like, these are the same, it's the exact same people who are in Robinhood that have been in all the others, Uber, Facebook, et cetera. That, that's what, you know, I, I should do a chart of the ownership of all these 
would you call menace companies? And they're all the same. It's well, a lot of the here's, same people. Here's, here's the Let me just point. finish. Let me just finish. Sorry, go ahead, uh, just, but, but, um, but Reddit, I just did an interview with Steve Huffman, is owned, it, it's owned, it's an independent that's owned a lot by advanced publications. It's one of their, it went independent entity. Advanced publications is Condé, Condé Nast owner, owns it. There's Tencent is in there. There's a whole bunch of owners in there. I, Reddit, I'm not, I just interviewed Steve Huffman, this, this I just posted today. I don't necessarily blame them for it. These are just messages where people are talking. I think it's the transactional thing that is hidden and who they take advantage of for this free investing tools, right? It's not transparent in what they're doing. I don't know necessarily if Reddit's at fault in this case. I mean, I they're I just talking. Done, I personally don't think Reddit's done anything wrong. I'm just right. saying the people who own Reddit are the ones who are going to make billions here. The people who well, own Robinhood more so are the, the Robin Hood people. I think more so the Robin Hood, more, more so these things. And I think that that these hedge funds were on both sides of these trades. And so I, this idea of a, that's what Steve and I talked about was the the idea of a David versus Goliath thing. Oh, that's ridiculous. I'm not so sure. a, a, a couple of things. One, who else is going to make a shit ton of money? Goldman Sachs, who's out saying that, that there's froth in the market, but they're taking Robinhood public. They'll raise three billion dollars. They'll get seven. They'll get a quarter of a billion dollars. They'll manage all their money. They'll get all sorts of trust planning fees. But meanwhile, they're concerned about froth in the market. Yeah. yeah, right. And this falls into a much larger narrative, which is the same construct that has always existed in society back to the Middle Ages, and that is when you see a movement. Sometimes it's a righteous movement. Black Lives Matter, the civil rights movement, these are righteous movements. Most movements, most movements are a bunch of older men trying to get wealthier using the call sign of God or Christianity or of stick it to the man and buy more silver. And, oh, uh, there's weapons of mass destruction. So let's go get them such that Halberton can re rebuild these fields. And me as the vice president, and I own shares in Halberton. And yep. what do you know? My shares end up $60 million. Society is consistently reinforcing the same narrative. And that is, you young people, go do something for us. Let's stick it to the man. But you know what yep. you are? You're the man's stick. And the same yeah. thing is happening it's a different here. Man. They're sticking it to a different man. That's what they're trying to do. And I think that what was interesting is watching, listening to, I didn't listen to it last night because I'm not part of Clubhouse, but um, I, reading about it, Elon questioning the CEO of, uh, of Robin Hood is not precisely the kind of accountability we want here. You know what I mean? Like, and I know they all think they're doing their own journalism. And you know, you saw the story about Andreessen, I think, um, recently about Andreessen Horowitz uh, doing their own media and getting through to go around reporters, et cetera, et cetera. They can go around as much as they want. Go for it. You know, and that Facebook doing these, these um, go right ahead. Go around us. Try. Good luck. We'll still keep doing our jobs. That's my feeling is that they don't, like, figuring out who has the real accountability here is going to be almost impossible. And then what they do is they dress it up. And in some cases, yes, it is these investors being just as smart as hedge funds, 100%. Yep. And it's good that more people are in the market. But you can have that that thought and at the same time realize you may be being taken advantage of by far wealthier people in the shadows. And that's that's my issue with this, is there's all kinds of rich people involved in all this. And they're all talking about, you know, off with their heads. Well, they're yeah. the rich richest people on earth. That's, I think, the, the problem we have we have yeah. going forward. And where it's going, I don't know. I don't even know what uh, GameStop is today, but it's, it's just, down. they'll they'll, <laughs> they'll pick another thing. It's just a game. It's just a game. And maybe you can catch it, people, in the individual retail investor, but the people who can really catch it are the rich people. I'm, I'm sorry to give you that piece of news, unfortunately. The, the rage, the rage is warranted. There was a study that the just came out 
that billionaires have increased their wealth from $1.9 trillion to $4 trillion since 2010, whereas federal minimum wage has gone from $7.25 to $7.25. These bailouts are largely nothing, an attempt, an attempt to maintain the wealth of older people such that the, the gale force winds of creative destruction that benefit young people don't blow. There is nothing but a massive transfer of wealth that our society has promoted, especially over the last 30 years, from young people to old people. Their, their, their rage is warranted. The question mm-hmm. is, all right, how are you deploying that rage? And if you think, if you think that a movement is worthwhile, then fine. But movements, oh. movements typically cost money. If you're learning mm-hmm. here, then fine. That that's fine too. If you're all over this all all over this all day, and you think you have some sophistication, you're learning about trading, then fine. But be clear. The question is. Okay. Who are you fighting the war against? Are you being heavy-handed with the wrong people? Yeah, this is really important. I think one of the things, and let's wrap it up because we have our guests coming, um, is that we have a situation where there's lots of non-transparent players here, and that's the issue we have. Um, I think one of the—it reminds me, I was just reading a story, and it's not the same thing, but a lot of the people that got caught up in Trump's thing and ended up doing illegal things at the Capitol, you know, were angry. You could see—I don't— I believe these people's anger is justified. In that case, they were Call just sign fooled. of a movement. But Trump raised Trump raised enormous amounts of money on that. 100%. Like that's and you sort of perfect like perfect example, mm, perfect you know. example. But I don't want to compare these people to the Capitol because that's no, but, not what I mean to do. So but, anyway, it's just the idea of maybe someone else is profiting off your rage, and that's and I think, but I think you should still be in it. So anyway, we're going to end before we yeah. anger all the all the Reddit movement people. Oh, it's because, too late. They're all over <laughs> me. That is are they? Too, they should. Oh be. my gosh. Yeah, they, they are. They take it so. Uh, well, anyways, you did call them um, incels. Anyway, all right, Scott, we're going to leave here before you say something you'll regret, and then it'll be all over this week. Scott, uh, let's go on a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk to friend at Pivot on women's job loss during the pandemic. Speaking of people have suffered and how the Biden administration should address this issue. Scott, we are back. We have with us Reshma Sajani. Uh, she is a founder and CEO of Girls Who Code, a now advocate for a Marshall Plan for Moms. The people who we were just talking about people who don't deserve all this money. Now we're talking about people who do. Last week, Reshma and fifty women leaders across industries took out an ad in the New York Times calling for the Biden administration to establish a task force to create a Marshall Plan for Moms. Rashma, would you start to talk about what you're doing here? Because, you know, there's been so many stories about how women in the workplace have suffered really badly during the pandemic. No surprise. They have to stay home, childcare, et cetera, et cetera. What do you mean? Can you explain what you're calling on them to do and how you came up with the plan? Yeah, I mean, we're in a national crisis. Uh, Because of the pandemic, the labor participation rate of women is where it was in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. It took us nine months to lose almost 30 years of progress. Mm-hmm. 100% of the jobs lost in December were women. And every woman I know is exhausted. When schools closed, we became teachers, nannies, right. tech support cooks, everything. All the while, we're trying to keep our full-time jobs. Right. And so we need a Marshall Plan for moms. And what I mean by that is we need a 360 plan that gets women back to work. Uh, not in a few decades, but in a few months. Mm-hmm. And Part of that plan, I think, is a basic income payment to women that's means-tested. It means passing legislation like paid leave, affordable daycare, pay equity, right? And not just as a stopgap for this year, but something that is literally which embedded has never happened. in society. Which, which never has never happened. happened. Right, right. We need to open up schools safely five days a week. 
And we need to retrain mothers so they're ready when their jobs are open. Because part of this crisis happened because many women were in industries that have been disproportionately hit by the recession, right? Service, hospitality, education. These jobs aren't coming back. And also women who have jobs that do work remotely also are doing, my my wife has, is, left her job because of, you know what I mean? Just couldn't do, we couldn't do everything at the same time. Women have voluntarily in this case, but not that voluntarily. You know, women have lost 5.4 million jobs over the course of the pandemic. So why why have why have women's jobs taken a bigger hit this year than men? And then we'll go to Scott for a question. Well, I think you alluded to it, right? Motherhood is a choice, but we didn't choose this. Mm-hmm. When they school when they close schools, they've created a childcare crisis. Mm-hmm. And in most households, moms are the ones that are doing most of the childcare and most of the remote schooling. Uh-huh. And the second part is the fact that many women and women of color, right, are hit in these jobs that weren't pandemic proof. Mm-hmm. And so Sacrificial we got to, workers, I call them. Absolutely. And so we got to really retrain that. Look, I think that we have an opportunity to put motherhood at the center of any recovery plan and to, and to rebuild it. And, you know, part of why this is so important and part of why I think in many ways we have an opportunity is that we've been fighting for women's equality for centuries. Mm-hmm. And we're at a moment to finish that fight and to rebuild our economy to finally value women's work. Scott? Well, just just words, sister. I, you know, as a, a son of a single mother, I saw what happened when my parents got divorced. Uh, both same level of education, both talented people. My mom could be a secretary, a travel agent, or a school teacher and made $900 a month. And my dad went on to be a salesman for ITT at, you know, $8,000 a month. I mean... Our lives has changed dramatically. And I always thought it wasn't about, I didn't even think it was about women's rights. I was like, we just needed more fucking money. <laughs> and in Northern Europe, I think they've embraced the notion that it's important that the species continue to propagate and that you need thoughtful, loving environments. And that it's, and it, it feels sexist to say, but that disproportionately falls on the shoulders of women. I've seen it firsthand in this pandemic when all of a sudden the schools close and who has to sit next to the kid and make sure that the kid doesn't come off the tracks, we can all talk about sharing responsibilities, but it's usually, it's usually the woman. I would love to hear more about how, it's, how you think it should be means tested. And also, doesn't really a Marshall Plan for women, doesn't, doesn't it need to really, don't we really need to think about uh, Planned Parenthood? Because if you talk about women under the age of 30 without kids, they've largely closed the wage gap. It's when they have kids that things come off the rails and they go to 73 cents on the dollar. Isn't it really about giving? Uh, I'm going on. I'm going to stop yeah. there. Yes, uh, please do. Let uh, Rashi talk. I was just yeah, going to interject. As usual, I turned it back to my experiences. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Is, don't, no. we need, don't we need some other things? Don't we need to attack this from a number of angles? We do. We do. Look, mothers face a motherhood penalty before COVID, and they're going to face one afterwards, right? There's no hiding on our Zoom screen, right? My five-year-old, my one-year-old, what's happening in my home? And the reality is, is that when we get back to the real world, we're not going to get supported for that. We're going to get penalized even more. Mm-hmm. And so we got to really keep our eye on that, which is why part of this plan is on pushing companies to make sure that they have flexibility, that they are rooting out the motherhood penalty, that they're, we're really looking at the way mothers are treated in the workforce. You know, to your question about like the payment, how much should it be? What, you know, how do we get there? That's my hope that the Biden administration pulls together a task force that can really answer this very question. And they're responsible for researching and implementing a plan. But the point is, is we have to do something. And 
America's mothers can't continue to be our country's social safety net. It's so how do you get their, their attention? What is their response? I mean, obviously, we had Ivanka sort of swanning around pretending, you know, with her 400 helpers, et cetera. How do you get their attention? Because you have to individually get attention of people, like, which is kind of ridiculous given this is a, you know, a, a critically important question for everybody. Yeah, look, we uh, have had over 7,000 people sign this petition. You mm-hmm. know, emails are pouring in from legislators and CEOs and students from across the country saying, how can I help? And so we're just, you know, quite frankly, continuing to put gas on it mm-hmm. and putting pressure on the administration to put together a task force, you know, so we don't just piecemeal recovery, right? Like, okay, we'll pass this childcare credit. We'll, we'll talk about paid leave. Like we need an entire 360 plan that is looking at this from all angles. Uh, there are a couple of members in Congress who are looking to draft a bill. Uh, there's state legislators probably in like six or seven states that have reached out that are looking to do the same. So, so what I, would that bill look like? Would it, what would be the critical thing? Well, I, I, they're in the process of kind of drafting what a model legislation is, but I think it does look at like, you know, how do you have, you know, childcare benefits, you mm-hmm. know, federally or in, in the state, you know, is there an opportunity to come up with a, you know, a basic income payment to moms? You know, it's interesting. And, you know, Scott, I think you raised this. This is a conversation that's happening globally. This isn't just happening mm-hmm. to American women. It's happening all across mm-hmm. the world. Some countries are already kind of evolved in this, and they realize that the COVID pandemic disproportionately affected mothers, and they have offered payments. India did that. Mm-hmm. And India is looking right now, they're having a huge debate in their parliament about whether they want to continue that. So I almost feel like the conversation is finally on the table to really look at motherhood in its totality, look to see who's doing the unseen work, What's the benefit to society? And start valuing some it because we don't value what we get for free. And we what know that corporations? Now. What about the because a lot of this change does come from corporations and you know, they're still arguing over those smallest of like things, gimmies that they give to employees. Oh, absolutely. I mean, again, I think Kara, you know this. And I mean, we have had a huge drove of women leaving tech. And it's gotten mm-hmm. worse in, in the pandemic. I mean, mm-hmm. you alluded to what's happened with your partner. I think that that story is happening all across America. So there has to be pressure put on companies to say, how many women left? Mm-hmm. Why did they leave? What are you doing to bring them back? What's your flexibility policy? Are you simply going to make you know mothers and women work more hours, right, for less pay? You know, is it an opportunity for us to say maybe companies should be paying for daycare, right? How mm-hmm. do we do that? Like, I think we got to put it all on the table. But we know that companies aren't going to just do this of their own free will, right? This is why capitalism is fundamentally broken. Mm -hmm. I think there needs to be pressure uh, coming from the government, coming from state legislators, coming from activists. I mean, there are hundreds of thousands of women and and workers that represent uh, this letter and this ad campaign that we've put together. Mm -hmm. We're not being quiet. We're, in fact, just getting louder. Well, I do but, think but Zoom restaurant, school. Can I, oh, can go I ahead, stop go in ahead. Because I worry that for the last several decades, we keep waiting on the better angels of corporations yep. to show up. And the ones that can't yep. afford to be better angels, Agreed. that have better parental leave or family leave policies are the ones that make the most money and, quite frankly, attract people who have graduate degrees and, and, and may not need as, help, as much help as other people in our society. And the, the thing that scares me about your movement is that people make the mistake of thinking we can't afford it. Well, if we can afford to give $750 billion to small businesses, 
who, by the way, are owned by the wealthiest cohort in America, and that is essentially millionaires are the biggest cohort of small business owners. Take that $750 billion, 40 million households have children. Take the bottom half, the ones that really need the money. You could give each of them $40,000. So let's, uh, I, I, what I'll put to you is let's not wait on corporations. Let's identify the people responsible for the next generation who need help and just give them money. Just give them money instead of hoping that Mark Zuckerberg gives more family leave. <laughs> yeah, but 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 how do you do that? Square that with now they're arguing over over lee over uh, stimulus money. Like this is this is not endless money. We have this huge deficit, and the government's going to be nervous about uh, spending it specifically. Are you worried about that? Listen, I think that if we're going to continue to get the economy back on its feet, it's it, the center of that plan has to include mothers, and it, that we have to be embedded in every single piece and part of policy. But I, I think you're right. I, look, I think it starts with a signal from government and policymakers of who's important. America doesn't function without its moms, period. Uh, and I think you are right. One of the biggest things I've learned as being CEO of Girls Who Code is that we don't live in a meritocracy. No. And we can't depend on Silicon Valley to just do the right thing. Yeah. And they won't. And I have been praying for some activism uh, and mm. some Keep organizing praying, and, and you know, unionizing. They don't, they do. but they don't you know care. what? I think that one of the things that has happened right now is people are pissed off and yeah. we have found voice and we know how to organize. I have been blown away at the response that one ad in the New York Times has set off. Huh. And that's it, interesting. Why did you decide to do that? What are your what are your what is your next one? Because one of the things I think you do, you are tapping into, we were just talking about rage, investment rage and different mm. political rage. Um, one of the things that's interesting is it's up and down the economic scale, Zoom school, what it's done to people. Like mm. people who are wealthy and at home, they don't suffer nearly the kind of difficulty that people on the lower end, including internet access. But everyone is realizes how bad it is when the when the safety net's not there. Like, and that's, even though it's not in their interest of wealthier people, it does put them, have a commonality of anger, uh, which is interesting when you hear people talking about this. And I'm like, well, can you imagine if you didn't have internet access, if you had to go to the restaurant, if you had to go to the coffee shop, which you can't go to anymore? And what about in the winter? You know, it starts to, you know, it starts to escalate the idea of who this is all for, essentially. To, to your notion, though, about the economy and Reshma, I think this is, I'm just thinking about the talking points to get you the capital you need. The, you know what the one of the many wonderful things about mothers who are in the lower medium of income is when you give them money? They spend it. They yeah. spend it. And if you want, if you want true stimulus, if you really wanted to stimulate the economy, there's a capitalist argument to give the money to, to mothers. It, there, you will get a multiplier effect there as opposed to give, get this. Do you realize four out of five people right now who get stimulus don't plan to spend it? Yeah. No, the savings has gone up like crazy. So, Reshma, what's your next move? What's your next move? What is the thing? You have the ad. You've got people's attention. And again, we've been down this road before to no effect. I mean, I think I've been talking about paid leave for 30 years now. At yeah, this you have. You have. Yeah. And listen, you're relentless and I'm relentless. And So, what's the next tactical move? So, I think the next tactical move is to put pressure on the Biden administration to put together a task force. Okay. So that we scares are looking me. at this. For, I know it me. does, but you know me. I don't. I'm not a, a bureaucrat. Right. I, I just think that we need to be looking at this from all sides, in commerce and treasury. You know, from all all aspects of it. I think secondly, we gotta we gotta put pressure on Congress because a, some sort of recovery package is gonna come to them, and mm -hmm. it's gotta include moms. And there's a lot of men in Congress. Yeah. Right. We've and noticed. so. 
Yeah, I noticed, right? So I think that continuing to build a movement that is putting pressure on legislators to keep thinking about us. I think we got to put pressure on to making sure that schools reopen five days a week safely. There's Mm -hmm. still a lot of conversation here in my state, New York, and I'm sure in your state that, oh, it might still be hybrid in the fall. Well, if that happens, forget about it. Forget about 1989 labor participation. We're back in the 1960s. Yeah. Who is leading the charge in DC though? Who who is fighting the good fight? Who are the key legislators? And who's in the way, Reshma? Who do we have to kick ass? <laughs> yeah, it's equally important, right? It's a Look, good question. I, I, I don't think anybody is in the way yet, but nobody's leading the charge. So anybody listening, like lead the charge. I, I Who do would think, be? I do think... Look, I mean, there are legislators who've been leading on paid leave, but we still haven't got it done. I I can't think of anybody better than Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, quite frankly. Kamala Mm -hmm. Harris had a single mom. She -hmm. is a stepmother. Joe Biden is one of the most compassionate, empathetic feminists that I know. Mm -hmm. So they should be leading this. Like, this is the right administration to get this done. But do they have the political capital to do it? At this moment, well, they've got to get through stimulus. They've got to get through this. They've got the trial of Donald Trump, et cetera, et cetera. And states the same way. They've got to get the vaccines. There's a lot going on. Do mm-hmm. you think this will But get, we don't get America back on its feet until, unless we do this. Because mm-hmm. like you said, like the, the vast majority of the job losses are coming from, from mothers. And it's coming because of these other issues about childcare and school reopenings. So it's got to get done or it's never going to happen. You can give people as much money as you want. But if you don't give it to mothers who can then use it to kind of, you know, towards childcare, towards, you know, thinking about retraining, then then nothing happens. And we got to just understand that. And I think people are starting to. I'm going to ask you, what does it mean for young women just joining the workforce too? Because you have to have allies, but a lot of times that doesn't work out the same way. People thinking 10 years in their future kind of thing. I mean, this is one of the reasons why I did this. Because, you know, we have a crisis with moms and we had to put them at the center because our daughters are watching us Mm -hmm. and they are watching us take on this work and not get recognized and not get compensated for it. And so it matters. We have to send a signal to the girls that women's labor counts and their careers count and their dreams won't be taken for granted. And, you know, when there's a reason also why the birth rate is down in this country, because Mm -hmm. many young Mm -hmm. women look at us and be like, oh, no. Right? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. And that is the wrong message. Yeah. What could someone do right now? I mean, let's right hope now. that Biden and Harris get past. Uh, the big issues and then focus on this one and or even adopt it as core to 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 moving forward. What could someone do right now if they wanted to help move this move this movement forward? Go to Marshall Plan for Moms, sign the petition, write your legislator, ask about what they're doing, you know, in across the states on this legislation and then ask your ask your company, your employer. Put together a, a Marshall Plan for Moms task force at your company and ask them how many women have left. What are you doing for flexibility? What are you mm-hmm. going, doing to support me when we come back? Because I think that the biggest thing for us on, on a just kind of a daily basis, right, is like, you know, we have to get rid of the motherhood penalty, not just in our workplace, but in our homes. Like, you know, part of this movement is a cultural movement. You know, I, I know I am ha- have, you know, conversations with my partner every day. Mm-hmm. And I have a pretty good one. You know, mm-hmm. my husband, Nal's incredible. But we still have those hard conversations about who's doing what and why. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, everybody does. Anyway, this is very helpful. I'm glad you did this, Reshma. Continue to press. Uh, Reshma is the founder and CEO's, uh, CEO of Girls Who Code and now an advocate for the Marshall Plan for Moms. Thank you, Reshma. Thank, Thank you for you. your good work, Reshma. 
Thank you, Karen, Scott, for having me. All right, Scott, one more quick break. We'll be back for Wins and Fails. Okay. Okay, Scott, wins and fails. Uh, wins and fails, Scott. Uh, okay, so uh, my fail is, uh, and these are both inspired by uh, the New York Times. There's some great reporting by Alan Blinder. And, you know, when your house is on fire, you're not focused on how the dog is doing or uh, you just, we, yeah. we've been taken off track so much over the last four years. And something I yep. used to think a lot about um, is uh, there's a great article today about uh, uh uh, football practices pose more concussion risks than games uh, studies suggest. Yeah. Basically, I, I I love college football. I, I love watching the UCLA Bruins. Uh, I just love college football. I played intramural football, loved it. Um, and I, I do think concussions and injuries to, to young men sustained over re- repeated head injuries – is something that just needs more attention or renewed attention, and I and well, it's got it got a lot for a while. It, but there, that's the point; sort of it kind of went away, yeah. right? And it did, indeed. and because there's short-term money involved, because the manifestation of this uh, uh, of these effects don't don't pop up for or they don't manifest for sometimes decades. I think yep. this is a really uh, I think it's I think it's a terrible thing. I've stopped watching college football because I I just until they figure out the technology here and I'm not sure they can cuz it's not even about the impact it's about the rotation of the head mm-hmm. uh, and your 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 What about robot football? That's my solution. Perfect. Uh, we watch that yeah, robot. Yeah, but they won't wars. do that. That's a ton You know, of fun. I wouldn't let my kids play football. That was a big discussion with Louie. And it's an amazing and sport that, and yeah. a ton of it's it's a fantastic sport unfortunately. <sighs> I just he played flag football. He played That's flag right, football. That's right, unfortunately. But he was good it's at It's just there's there's It's so it damaging. It really is. I ran into a big NFL person and I had said something like this, like, I'm never going to let my kids play. It's ridiculous. It's like asking to, like for trouble, essentially. And they said, uh, this big NFL person came up to me and was like, Kara, you know, you should get your kids to play football. I said, well, if I wanted them to lose their brain by 25, sure, I'd let them do that. But I don't think so, sir. Mm-hmm. It was really, it was fascinating that I just, I think a lot of parents have turned away from it, you know, thinking about it and the damage. Largely because it's so, like, not everybody gets this, by the way. It doesn't happen to everybody. But the che- that you are it's sort of in this weird lottery that you could, like kind of like this weird sort of death, like brain damage lottery. It's really too, it's too much of a risk. It's sort of like letting your kids, you know, uh, jump out of airplanes. Yeah, I think that's no. right. And then the no. other, I don't know if like, this is a loss or a whim, but uh, did you read the article again in the New York Times, A Vast Web of Vengeance? Yes, uh, that was by Cashmere Hill. Hill. Oh my gosh, Amazing. well done. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah. I, I, Explain it for the people. Well, Explain uh, it for what happened. Because of all the protections and the fact that the the the, the web or, you know, it, remember the movie Alien that said, in space, no one can hear you scream? Well, on the yes. internet, nobody knows who you really are and what your intentions are. Yeah. And it's right. turned into something very dangerous. And And I've... I've experienced this, and I know you have, on what I'll call a very minor level. Mm-hmm. And that is, for example, just this past week, this kid weighed in on my Twitter and said, I took your online course and it was awful and I was really disappointed. And it totally freaked me out. And I got everyone together yep. from the company and said, who was this kid? Why was he just so disappointed? Let's get him a refund. Yep. And then once someone on, on the call goes, have you seen his Twitter profile? He's been attacking Ew. you for your comments on GameStop. And it's like, okay, oh. so... It, take that times a million on the internet, and you have yep. people. It's about a woman uh, who it sounds like struggles with mental mental illness. Who, when she has a vendetta against a neighbor 
uh, one of her lawyers mm-hmm. starts spreading rumors yeah. on various various yeah. message boards that these people are pedophiles. Yes, and this content, yeah. and now there's an industry where these places where you post these things, you have to pay them to get content taken down. So there's a profit Take motive down, to yeah. circulate, to traffic yeah. in really awful false content. And uh, what I would like to think, and I think we know some of these people, I think there are people out there who use, who create fake mm-hmm. Twitter accounts and go yeah. after people anonymously around, uh, mm-hmm. rather than address the issue they disagree with them on in a fact-based, yeah, awful is. way, they try and attack their credibility and say really heinous things about them. And, yeah, and just, was, as what, was quite a piece. just as what happened to this woman, <laughs> we will find Man. out about you. <laughs> we yeah. will find yeah. out that, oh, you had 11 Twitter accounts and you were, you were trying to undermine someone's credibility and attack them personally. I think there is so much of that going on. Well, I think online. it goes to the, the tools, the tools that are not being monitored. These tools are dangerous. And so they can lead uh, anything that humans do terribly, they can do times 100 on They're these, just scaling uh, it. Thousand. The internet's just scaled They're it. They're scaling it. Yeah. Scaling, you know, like people handing out, you know, uh, Xerox copies about someone in a neighborhood. It's just like really does and, and take you asked that a question. story. You must I'm yes. Sorry, Jessica, a really important question. Elizabeth Warren, uh, Senator Warren, said this well it, with around GameStop and and Reddit, and they're just scan. Where the fuck is the SEC? Right. They should be weighing mm-hmm. in every day. This is the volatility. Yep. This is the, these are the dangers. This is our viewpoint. Well, they're going to. They're going. They literally just got the job, and it had been like ignored for the Trump administration. There's got to be a referee they just on got the field. I know, I agree, but this is people that just literally got their like passes into government. And where's the FCC and they, on they, this they, stuff? They also have to clear out the Trump people who right. embedded themselves. Like this is just, you know what I mean? The, the damage the Trump administration has done in so many ways, including this way, the the enforcement stuff, you know, just in their in their ridiculous attempt to deregulate. Yeah. Not no problem getting rid of some regulations, but the kind of demented hatred towards all decent regulation is really quite something. I think that's uh, that's the biggest fail, I think, despite of all the many fails. And by the way, there's lots of them. And I think we'll be impacted for years to come. We've had a national ang- t- temper tantrum and it has to stop. And hopefully after this Trump- uh, It started well, we'll before Trump, week. though. You know it started. It started with Reagan. Yes, it did. A hundred Yes, a hundred. This whole thing. I'm 100%. from the government, and, and I'm go here to back. Help. Howard, the guy who did the 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 proposition in California that ruined the whole budget process. Howard Jarvis, so nobody could Prop govern 13, way back when. Howard Jarvis. Yes, it's just people mad about government. Just the whole idea that government sucks is a is a very profound and strong one. Um, but we'll see where it goes. But I agree. That's a very good. Uh, that's a very good story to read. It's by Kashmir Hill, and it's in the New York Times. And you will. It's be great journalism. So I mean, she really tracked me. down. She really did a lot of work. And here. she herself got got tra- got got dissed too. The whole thing. The whole thing. Is well, this really individual started she, attacking her. Yeah, spreading exactly, rumors about her exactly. online. Indeed, Do you have a win? Indeed. Kara? I've had so many people. Win. Oh, God, this let's win. What's I, you know what? Bridgerton. Wait, <laughs> you're say. now into Bridgerton? <laughs> yes, because I finally did. I watched The Dig with, uh, with uh, Carrie Mulligan, who's also in another great movie, Promising Young Woman. And that was very yeah. good and it was very well done and very tasteful. But then we watched Bridgerton. And as Amanda said, I think she said it perfectly, that was like a substantive meal. This like, Bridgerton's like a really good cookie, yeah. like a really good chocolate chip cookie. It is so 
I just can't wait to watch beautiful it again. Watch. I'm watching it one the sets and the people are beautiful. episode by one episode. Yeah. They're beautiful. It's funny. Yeah, it's, it's substantive enough. It's not substantive at all. There's a lot of dresses happening, and I don't even like dresses. Like it, I like Bridgerton. I got to say, Netflix has has paid a lot of money for certain people. In this case, Shonda Rhimes, I think, is going to be an enormous. Her on. Fettered on a platform, she was already so successful on all the other platforms where there was more, uh, where she she didn't have quite as much power. Now she has unfettered power, I think, at Netflix, and I think she's blooming again. Once again, she's such a hit. She's she's the most important creator of uh, this uh, of television uh, going right now. Uh, I think really in terms of just beautifully done, well done, well done, Shonda Rhimes. Shonda, way to go. Shonda, nice. Shonda, you're the best. And as you know, Cobra Kai still. But nonetheless, Bridgerton is my new favorite. Anyway, Scott, that's the show. We'll be back on Friday for more. There's going to be lots that's to right. talk about. We're going to watch the stock market closely this week. Um, we have to also get to eventually General Motors uh, aiming to sell only zero-emission cars by 2035. Stuff <laughs> by like that. We'll 2035. Talk about that on I love that. Oh, come on. We'll we're be so agile. We're putting out press releases about what we're going <laughs> to be in what? 2035. <laughs> hey, that's not that far away, my friend. It's not that far away. All right. We're going to go. We'll be back uh, Friday for more. Go to nymag.com slash pivot to submit your questions for the Pivot podcast. The link is also in our show notes. Scott, please, dressed in your tie, read Today's show was produced by Rebecca Sinanis. Ernie Indratot engineered this episode. Thanks also to Hannah Rosen and Drew Burrows. Make sure you're subscribed to the show on Apple Podcasts. Or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or frankly, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you liked our show, please recommend it to a friend. Marshall Plan for Moms. Again, that's MarshallPlanForMoms.com. <laughs>